What could stir your imagination more than an abandoned house? It's easy to ponder the secrets hidden within its derelict walls and how it became such a sorry state. Often, abandoned homes become the foundation upon which communities convey mystery and legend until they are demolished and forgotten. But there is a 1925 colonial revival style house with such an enigmatic story and compelling in its solitude that it has roused the public to rally against its vanishing. Nestled against the backdrop of the Parker River National Wildlife Refuge in Newburyport, Massachusetts, stands the Pink House of Plum Island. For decades, rumors swirled about the abandoned home and as that of a spite house, the result of a divorce settlement and unspecific conditions. But is that really the truth behind the Pink House? Welcome to Nightmare Houses. Newburyport, Massachusetts is a small coastal city in Essex County, situated at the mouth of the Merrimack River and near the Atlantic Ocean, located approximately 35 miles northeast of Boston, Massachusetts. The story of the pink house on Plum Island starts with a woman, Gertrude W. Cutter, of Newburyport. In July 1925, Gertrude purchased the marshy land on Plum Island. The Cutters were a prominent family in Newburyport and owners of several businesses in town, including a diner and the Fern Shoe Company. The parcel of land had once been used for salt haying, but at this time, beachfront properties were being marketed to young families looking for summer vacation spots. In 1925, it appears Gertrude had a cottage built on the site for her son, his wife, and their two-year-old child. But was that really the reason the house was built? Henry Harry Thomas Cutter was born on September 23, 1894. In June 1922, Harry Cutter married Ruth Elvira Morin, who was born on August 25, 1895, and they wed at her parents' home on State Street in Newburyport. When they wed, Harry was a partner at the family business, the Fern Shoe Company. On May 23, 1923, their son, Henry T. Cutter Jr., was born. At first, everything seemed to be going well for the family. However, in 1924, Harry reported his shoe business was going under, and he was forced to give up the family's 13-room home at 103 State Street, causing the family to live in various apartments across Newburyport. During this time, Harry began to spend a lot of time away from his home. He secretly had an apartment on Pickney Street in Boston. He would leave his Newburyport apartment and his wife and child on Sunday and return on Saturday, only leaving her with money for the week. At this time, the relationship between Ruth and her mother-in-law, Gertrude, soured for reasons that were never clear. But by the following July, on the marshes of Plum Island, the cottage was constructed. It could have been a ruse for the family to start over again after the troubles of the prior year, but the location of the home was ultimately less than ideal. In November 1925, the cottage on Plum Island Turnpike was ready. It's a boxy, rectangular main structure with a pyramid-shaped, hipped roof typical of the simplified colonial revival styles. There's an enclosed porch or sunroom addition on the ground floor, also a common feature in homes of this era. The hipped roof is topped with a small widow's walk or cupola, which is an enclosed rooftop lookout that is often found in coastal homes. The windows are symmetrically placed double-hung sashes. They have shutters, although they are fixed and purely decorative, as their size would not cover the windows if closed. The exterior appears to be wood siding painted pink. The ground level shows an addition with a flat roof, that of the enclosed porch. The window is different from that of the main building, suggesting it was a later addition or alteration 
relation to the original structure. The house is on over nine acres of marshland, indicating its semi-isolated location. The interior boasts six rooms, a 27 by 12 inch living room with a fireplace, and large windows affording beautiful views of Plum Island. However, move-in was the wrong term for Harry, as that appears to have never been his intention. In early November 1925, Harry brought his wife and three-year-old child to the pink house, gave them a week's worth of groceries and 18 gallons of water from the town pump, and left, promising to return. The home's location was inconvenient in its own right. Milkmen did not pass by the home, the nearest store was a mile away, and the nearest neighbor was reported to be an invalid. Over 12 days later, Harry returned to visit his wife and child, but found the cottage empty and stripped of furniture, minus a bed and bureau. During those 12 days, Ruth and her child had to endure living in a home without her husband's support, in conditions that the home was not equipped to handle. November weather on the coast of New England can be brutal and windy, and the home wasn't weatherized for such conditions, likely intending to be a summer cottage initially. The windows rattled against howling winds, and the home was not furnished with curtains, but newspapers and towels covered the windows, doing nothing to stop the cold and draftiness. There was also at least a foot of water in the basement, indicating flooding issues from the start. She was, in all likeliness, not very happy in this new home in this peculiar situation. She called a lawyer who advised her to take her belongings and her child and get out, which she did, only leaving a bed made for Harry and a dresser for his clothes. On November 17, 1925, Ruth claimed desertion by Harry Cutter and filed for divorce. Ruth left the pink house and never looked back. She moved to Salem to live with her mother. During those 12 days, her husband Harry spent time with another woman in Boston, Beatrice Bowery. Beatrice was born in Winthrop, Maine to English parents on November 24, 1901 and graduated from the Massachusetts Normal Art School, now known as the Massachusetts College of Art and Design, or Mass Art, in 1924. Earlier, she lived at 11 Payson Street in Newburyport, but remained in Boston following school. Harry claimed there was never any wrongdoing with Beatrice during this time. It was also known that while Ruth was alone with their child, Harry would come into town for dinner with his mother, but not stop by to see his family. In May 1926, Ruth filed for $50,000 in an alienation suit against her mother-in-law Gertrude for Harry's abandonment, declaring Gertrude maliciously persuaded and enticed Harry to abandon his own family. However, the Massachusetts courts took years to judge the divorce. In 1934, the divorce was denied with Harry being forced to pay $10 a week for child support. The judge also ruled that Ruth Cutter was justified in fleeing the pink house. Ruth appeared to never remarry, and her son Harry Jr. even started using his mother's maiden name in his teen years, reflecting how the scandal may have alienated him from his father, while Ruth maintained her married name. Ruth worked various jobs to support herself following her separation, but remained in the Newburyport and Salem area. Meanwhile, in January 1926, Harry Cutter filed a bankruptcy petition, having no assets but owing over $6,000. He was undergoing a messy divorce and was now bankrupt. In April, 1926, Beatrice Bowery, the woman he seemingly risked it all for, married Charles Hugh Allman, a physician. However, things did not work out in that marriage, and by 1927, Beatrice was using her maiden name, and in 1930, she was living at home with her parents in Boston. The divorce between Harry Cutter and Ruth was finally granted in 1937 in Florida. Very soon after, on February 8, 1937, Harry Cutter married Beatrice Louise Bowery, the same woman he left 
left his wife and child for in 1925. But the Pink House remained in the Cutter family for nearly two decades. In the 1930s, Harry and his mother, Gertrude, spent time there. On April 20th, 1940, Beatrice and Harry had a son, Stephen Cutter. Stephen was taken to the Plum Island home in his early childhood during the summer and remembered the home fondly and as being pink, possibly always being that color. Then on August 17, 1947, Harry and Beatrice Cutter sold the Plum Island home to Mrs. Hilda L. Rogers of Danvers, Massachusetts. The Cutters remained in Massachusetts for a time, but relocated on a more permanent basis to Florida in the 1950s. The following summer, in June 1948, Mrs. Rogers listed the vacant furnished cottage for rent. At this point, the home may have been renovated, boasting an all-modern automatic heat and a garage, but the Rogers only owned the home for several years. In May 1955, it was sold to William and Julia DeHart or DeHater, but they too only owned the pink house for a short time, selling it in July 1960 to Milton and Juliet Stott. By the mid-1960s, the Stotts had begun selling off the original pink house's acreage parcels. Milton Stott died in 1978, and Juliet died in 2006. It appears this is when the pink house was formally abandoned and the mysteries began. At some point, the pink house was deemed a spite house, with the story alleging that the home was built after a divorce settlement and the wife receiving an exact copy of the home the couple shared. Unfortunately, she did not specify the home's precise location, thus being built on the marshy land. While intriguing, we now know the truth. Today, the pink house stands at a crossroads, caught between the marching of time and the rising threat of flooding and sea level changes. The situation places it in an increasingly precarious position. On September 1, 2011, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services saw potential in the pink house and its 9.2-acre land, purchasing it for $375,000 with plans to convert it into an office for staff at the Parker River National Wildlife Refuge. However, that same year, the Massachusetts Historical Commission evaluated the property and concluded that it did not meet the criteria for a listing on the National Register of Historic Places. This decision was based on the house's lack of significant association with historic events, influential people, distinctive architecture, or a potential to provide important historical information. A pivotal moment occurred in December 2014, when a preliminary environmental study revealed the presence of asbestos in the building materials. This discovery was concerning, considering the widespread use of asbestos in older American homes and its known health risks, such as mesothelioma, lung cancer, and other chronic respiratory conditions. The threat of demolition in 2015 rallied the community into action. A grassroots preservation group, Support the Pink House, was formed, rallying support for the site's protection. By the spring and summer of 2016, the group not only successfully delayed the demolition plans, but also demonstrated the structural soundness of the house. Despite this, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services still considered relocating the Pink House as the only means to protect it. This idea was met with resistance, as many believe the house's charm and appeal lay in its current location, seamlessly integrated into the landscape. Between 2017 and 2018, the groups tried to navigate a complex agreement to exchange the land, hoping to preserve the house in a new location. But this plan collapsed in September 2019 due to constraints in a conservation easement leading to a dead end in efforts to save the property. 
in response to a letter from Congressman Seth Moulton, who had become an instrumental figure in the preservation effort, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services set a new deadline for a property exchange, November 1, 2020. However, this hope diminished as potential land parcels evaluated in July 2020 were found to be below the appraised value and were consequently removed from consideration. The 2020 COVID-19 pandemic further complicated matters. Fueled by donor-raised funds, plans to rehabilitate the home were put on hold, adding to the uncertainty surrounding the Pink House's fate. In December 2020, a glimmer of hope appeared when the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service identified a parcel in another state and set a closing date for September 2022. But in a twist of events, the out-of-state landowner backed out at a late stage, leaving the Pink House in limbo once again. Meanwhile, the Pink House continued to capture the hearts and imaginations of people far and wide. Its unique appeal, accentuated by its simple yet telling architecture and bright pink color choice, made it a subject of fascination for tourists, artists, and wildlife enthusiasts. Yet beneath this charm and allure, a harsh reality exists. The building is battling against time, weather, and neglect. In August 2022, support the Pink House achieved a significant victory when the Massachusetts Historical Commission approved a perpetual preservation restriction. However, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service claims they were not a party to this agreement, adding another layer of complexity to the ongoing struggle. As 2023 unfolded, the situation reached a critical juncture. On October 30th, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service announced new plans to demolish the Pink House, catching everyone off guard. They argued that all options had been exhausted and justified their decision based on the Federal Land Policy and Management Act of 1976. Yet this announcement raised several questions, particularly about the thoroughness of their efforts and the true exhaustiveness of the alternatives explored. The service's decision to base the final outcome on public feedback and the short 30-day window for this feedback has also created some controversy. This period falls between two major holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and is a known tactic to minimize public engagement as the public is often distracted. In this delicate context, several critical questions are raised. Has the Fish and Wildlife Service adequately considered the Pink House's historical and cultural value alongside its economic implications? How does this balance with the refuge's conservation goals? Despite past determinations, have all potential methods for preserving the Pink House as a historic landmark been thoroughly explored? This includes potential collaborations with local historical societies, preservation groups, or government agencies. Could the Pink House be part of the refuge's conservation strategy, perhaps as an educational center or community space that complements wildlife-dependent recreation? Has a comprehensive environmental impact study been conducted to assess the long-term consequences of demolition versus preservation? What are the comparative environmental impacts of maintaining the existing structure versus constructing new facilities such as a parking lot and an observation platform? Are there viable alternatives to demolition, such as encapsulation or removal, for addressing the asbestos issue that will permit the preservation of the Pink House? How do demolition and new construction costs compare with those of restoration and maintenance, especially considering the community's support for preservation? In light of the grassroots movement to save the Pink House and the halted exchange of efforts, how does the Fish and Wildlife Services plan to maintain transparency and public trust? With the Newberry Historical Commission's agreement to enforce a preservation restriction, is it possible to revisit discussions for a mutually agreeable preservation solution? As these questions linger, the community's voice remains firm in its support for saving the Pink House. The building's fate hangs in a delicate balance, a poignant reminder of the irrevocable nature of demolition. Once the Pink House is 
gone, it cannot be brought back. Its loss would mean not just the disappearance of a structure, but the erasure of a tangible piece of history, and now a symbol of community resilience. Listeners who wish to support The Pink House are encouraged to contact Congressman Seth Moulton and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services and Parker River Wildlife Refuge. Public comments are open until November 30th, 2023, and can be viewed at the Refuge's Visitor Center or online. As we ponder the future of The Pink House, we must ask ourselves, is this structure, built with misguided intentions, but now embraced as a beloved icon and part of the scenery worth preserving? Or is its fate inevitably tied to the progression of time and the evolving needs of the present? The Pink House, in its current state, stands as a testament to the power of community spirit and the enduring appeal of historic structures. Its simple yet evocative architecture, set against the backdrop of the marshes of Plum Island, tells the story of a bygone era. The building's current disrepair and isolated setting only add to its mystique, invoking a sense of nostalgia and longing. But what will become of the Pink House? Will it continue to defy the odds and stand as a beacon of historical endurance, or will it succumb to the relentless pressures of modernity and environmental challenges? Thank you for listening to Nightmare Houses. For more information on the Pink House and efforts to preserve it, please visit supportthepinkhouse.com. For the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and Parker River National Wildlife Refuge's Pink House Removal Plan, please visit fws.gov slash refuge slash parker dash river. Comments can be sent to parkerriver at fws.gov until November 30th, 2023. For more information, including photos and references, please visit www.nightmarehouses.com. Until next time, goodbye.